the Reading Cafe, the podcast from Holy Cross High School that aims to get people talking about reading. This electric episode features Elle McNichol, the award-winning author of A Kind of Spark. Elle is a writer who explores relatable themes such as family and friendships through neurodivergent characters. Elle reads from A Kind of Spark, which set up literary prizes such as the overall Waterstones Children's Book of the Year in 2021. And she gave us an insightful and inspiring interview that we know you're going to love hearing as much as we loved recording it. As part of our chat, she answered some great questions from future Holy Cross High School pupils from two of our associated primaries in Hamilton, St Mary's and St Paul's. You'll also hear from the Holy Cross Support for Learning Department, who will be talking about their approach to supporting people's transition from primary to high school. So, without further ado, here's the sparkling Elle McNichol lighting up the Reading Cafe podcast. Judy Singer, the social scientist and activist who coined the term neurodiversity, said, Neurodiversity is not just a matter of social justice, it's a matter of human rights. Today's guest, Elle McNichol, writes inclusive and original novels that bring representation to neurodivergent voices, too rarely seen in literature. Her debut novel, A Kind of Spark, was a winner of many prestigious prizes, including the 2021 Waterstones Children's Book of the Year, the Blue Peter Book Award for Best Story, and Blackwell's Overall Book of the Year. Since then, the novel has been adapted as a unique and brilliant CBBC show, for which Elle co-wrote the screenplay, and very excitingly, the programme has just received the green light for a second series. Keen to brighten the spotlight on neurodiversity in publishing, Elle established the Adrian Prize, which has been awarded to novelists featuring disabled lead characters, including A Flash of Fireflies by previous Reading Cafe guest, Aisha Bushby. We feel we have really won a prize ourselves today, as it is our privilege to invite Elle McNichol onto the Reading Cafe podcast. So hello. Hi. My name is Elsa. I'm Grace. Hi. Our fifth year reading leaders at Holy Cross High School. We're so excited to talk to you today. I'm so excited to be here. This is really, really cool. Thank you, guys. Yeah. So how's your day been? What have you spent the day doing so far? It's good. I'm wrangling my uh, my dog, who's just out of the camera shot. Uh, he may appear at some point, but um, just kind of keeping him in. Yeah. <laughs> Try and keep him quiet, mostly. Well, that's amazing. So do you do interviews like this often? Uh, yeah, I do. Um, not not always with um, with young people. Usually with um, very sort of uh, older journalists. So it's nice to be doing a podcast with some youngins. But um, yeah, interviewing's definitely been been part of the job, especially since the TV show came out. Yes. Yeah, of course. Uh-huh. Well, it's I mean, it's great for us. I've done a couple of these interviews with others before, but yeah, this, this is my sense. first time doing it. Oh, okay, cool. It's amazing to have you here as my first person to interview. I loved your book, we both read it, so... Yes, we both really enjoyed reading it. I think it's been such a fun experience. And, I mean, we were talking just there about having the kind of female experience. Right. To have those three sisters is... Well, I mean, for us, we're both only children. (laughs) Ah, me too. But to read about it is really eye-opening, I would say. totally. And I think just even to have that young female character experiencing that transition into high school as someone we've obviously both experienced that it was amazing to read about oh thank you well I mean yeah that's that's amazing to hear because yeah Addie who's the main character is obviously autistic which not you know the majority of people reading the book probably are not autistic but Mm -hmm. I think we've all been we've all been going into senior school we've all remembered that transition from primary seven to s1 and we've all known what it's like to have our friendship groups changed and yeah it is a very um I'm always amazed that there are lots of boy readers whenever I do a, a, an event there's there's usually loads of boys because I do feel that when I wrote the book it was really thinking about 
girls and and being that age um, as a young girl. So uh, I'm glad that you say that because absolutely it is about the the female experience very much. Well, we were also saying that we think an author reading their own book is so much better than hearing anyone else read it. And it just really gets across how you want us to hear this book. Would you mind reading some of it for us? Sure, I'll read a I'll read a wee bit. I won't read too long because that's very nice of you to say, but I I can't stand the sound of my own voice. Um, <laughs> so I'll try and keep it not too long. Um, so this is the very very beginning of a kind of spark, so it's not going to spoil anything for anybody. Perfect. Chapter one. This handwriting is utterly disgraceful. I hear the words, but they seem far away, as if they are being shouted through a wall. I continue to stare at the piece of paper in front of me. I can read it. I can make out every word, even through the blurriness of tears. I can feel everyone in the classroom watching me, my best friend, her new friend, the new girl. Some of the boys are laughing. I just keep staring at my writing. Then suddenly it's gone. Miss Murphy has snatched it from my desk and is now ripping it up. The sound of the paper being torn is overly loud, right in my ears. The characters in the story I was writing beg her to stop, but she doesn't. She crumples it all together and throws it towards the classroom bin. She misses. My story lies in a heap on the scratchy carpet. Do not ever write so lazily again, she shouts. Maybe she isn't even shouting, but it feels that way. Do you hear me, Adeline? I prefer being called Addie. Not ever. A girl your age knows better than to write like that. Your handwriting is like a baby's. I wish my sister was here. Kitty always explains the things that I cannot control or explain for myself. She makes sense of them. She understands. So that's a really little excerpt. Gosh, it's been a few years since I read that. <laughs> it's, it is so great to hear. Yeah, and I think even just that first few pages, it gives such an insight into how the character is viewing the world around her. You really get like a strong sense of who she is from that first chapter. Yeah. Oh, thank you. So much um, sort of inner thoughts and dialogue yes. going on. I mean, that just helps so much, especially for... I think the understanding of neurodivergent characters, it's so helpful to someone who isn't to kind of hear the inner thoughts of people. Yes, totally. And that's kind of leads on to like our first question. It's like other of your novels, A Kind of Sparks features neurodivergent characters. And how do you approach creating authentic and accurate characters such as Addie? Well, thank you for that question. Um, I'm autistic and dyspraxic. So like um, Addie and Cora and Ramia, who are my three heroines and um, I share the same diagnosis as them so that really means that a lot of when I write about neurodiversity it's coming from experience it's coming from my own life um, and that way nothing nothing is conjecture or, or made up um, I think in the past w- w- very we've had very little neurodiversity in literature and what what neurodiversity representation we have had it's usually written by people who are not neurodivergent so they're guessing a lot and it's also going back to what we were just talking about it's also almost always boys so it's important sometimes when I'm writing to think about the specificity of how things are viewed and then put it into the book. And um, as you, you know, like we just said, with first person as well, it's it's the character's inner monologue. Um, so it's, it's just being truthful. The, the characters are very unlike me in almost every other way. I don't, I don't like the idea of putting myself into a book, but I do put the neurodivergent aspects into the character. And that's why I think people find it authentic or they, or they relate to it a lot. Uh, which is really cool for me. Um, but yeah, I <laughs> hope that makes sense. Right. Yeah, that answers our next question as well. But if um, I can ask you, what impact do you hope the Adrian Prize will have on the publishing industry and representation of neurodivergent and disabled characters in literature? And what motivated you to create that award? 
Um, so I was actually in this room that I'm in now um, about, I think it was August 2022, and the publishing industry announced that they were no longer going to have the Blue Peter Book Award, uh, which I was lucky enough to win in 2021. And they also said they weren't going to have the Costa anymore, which was a very big literary prize. And um, these two prizes disappearing meant that children's prizes were suddenly like cut in half. And prizes are really important for getting um, especially diverse books um, out into readers' hands. So I thought, well, I'll start a children's book prize that's focused on disability rep. And particularly in answer to your question, disability rep, that is uh, commercial, meaning that it's something that people really actually want to read. It's not depressing. It's not sad. Um, the two rules that I have for the prize are that the main character has to be disabled in some way. And it doesn't mean, you know, they can be a wheelchair user, but there's all kinds of disabilities. They can be neurodivergent. They can be deaf. They can be uh, visually impaired. They can have any kind of disability. That's the first rule. The second rule is that the character is not allowed to die because what's unfortunately very common in children's books is that sorry that's my dog's face just <laughs> in the shot um <laughs> what's very common in children's books is that when there is a disabled character the author usually likes to kill them off in a very sort of sad tiny tim style way uh which isn't very fun to read when you're a disabled or neurodivergent reader so that was my two rules and the hope is that the publishing industry will will realize that disabled readers and and their their allies and their friends their family they want to see disabled characters in books that are fun that are exciting that are dynamic that are you know genre so our our first winner was sort of a fantasy book um and and that these books are fun and exciting and that disability doesn't have to be sad and depressing in literature um because disabled people and especially disabled children um they're they're like everybody else they want to see themselves in in the main character role and also having fun and and, and they don't want to be a moral lesson or um, or a sort of a sad, depressing, inspirational book. They want to have, you know, fun, exciting books. So that was the point of the prize was to highlight really great writing, but also say, hey, I think <laughs> I think we have enough books where the disabled child uh, passes away. We need to see them uh, on pirate ships. We need to see them on spaceships. We need to see them solving crimes. We need to see them on dragons. Like we need to see them having fun, just like non-disabled children. Yeah, and I think like that really came across in your writing of it's given young people that perspective of neurodiversity. It might be the first time they've been exposed to that in writing or literature. And it's we have primary school children watching this interview. So would you be able to give your understanding of what neurodiversity means? Yes. So neurodiversity refers to all of our brains. We all um, are, you know, all of our brains are diverse. And then neurodivergent is a, a small section of the population whose brains are a different neurotype. So they might be autistic, they might be dyspraxic, they might be dyslexic, they might be ADHD. None of these are bad conditions. None of them are illnesses. None of them are anything bad, but they are alternative neurotypes, meaning that people who are autistic or people who are ADHD, anyone that's neurodivergent, they think a little bit differently. They process things a little bit differently. And they feel things a little bit more usually. Um, they just see and experience the world in a different way. And, um, and 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 a lot of people find out when they're children, like I did. And I thought it was important that we see that in books, but in a way that's that's enjoyable and where the story comes first um, so that nobody feels like they're being preached to and nobody feels like they're, you know, in school. <laughs> they can enjoy it. Definitely. The book, I mean, for me, it was so about the plot while neurodiversity is a big theme in the book it's so like there's so much else yeah there. it's like part you know understand it's part of our character so you're seeing it through the perspective but 
you could have written a story as a neurotypical child and it would have yeah yeah but um because the literary character of Addie being neurodivergent do you remember anything from your early reading experiences like um had that you connected with a character that was like that yeah absolutely so that very first scene that we just had the reading from happened to me so I had very very bad handwriting um which is usually one of the earliest signs of neurodivergency and um, there's nothing wrong with having bad handwriting but when I was at school there was a very strict you know we had to earn our pen license we had to get fountain pens like they were very keen about keen, nice handwriting and mine was very bad and I, I had a teacher rip up a lot of my work because it said it wasn't readable and at the time as a kid you just go oh well, it's because I'm not very good and then when you're an adult you go I would never do that to anybody, especially not a, a nine-year-old. So, um, so that was that was true to life. A lot of the things in the book come from real experiences. A lot of trouble in school, and like we said before, Addie's uh, friendship troubles with Jenna and Emily are very universal. I don't think that's specific to autistic kids at all. I think every child um, knows what it's like when your friendship group starts to shift and change a bit, and girls that were your best friend now are suddenly not your best friend anymore. I think that's very universal. Um, so there's there's definitely real life uh, put inside of the book, but um, a lot of fiction as well. I didn't campaign for a memorial at the age of 11. I wish I had, but I um, was nowhere near that socially conscious. The transition from primary to secondary can be quite challenging for some children, but happily our support for learning department are here for any new S1s who need extra help to settle into Holy Cross. We asked Mr. McManus and Miss Gibson from Support for Learning to tell us about some of the ways which they helped ensure every pupil gets the best start possible in S1. Hi, I'm James McManus. I'm the Principal Teacher for Support for Learning at Holy Cross. Um, I just want to speak to you today about the transition process for Holy Cross. So there's nine feeder primary schools that we are working with really closely this year. And many of you will already be aware that the transition process takes quite a bit of time to do. So I thought what better place to start than maybe come to me and speak about what's going to happen. We are in regular contact already with the primary schools and the primary schools give the school and particularly myself and those in support for learning loads and loads of information in regards to who's coming up next year. So for all the primary sevens that are listening to this, I already know who you are. I speak to the class teachers at primary school and sometimes the deputies and the head teacher and just really get a clear indication of the type of pupils that are coming up next year and what type of supports they might need. So the type of supports that are regularly something that we do in Holy Cross is work with pupils that have ASD or ADHD. We also have a number of pupils that come up to Holy Cross that have literacy and numeracy issues as well and these are just some of the common things that we work with. Part of the transition process is for me to go out to speak to the primary schools and meet some of the parents um, of the pupils that maybe require some more support when they come up to high school. Um, if you come up to the school, it might be a case of that you have a support assistant working with you really closely, or you might see some of the support assistants in the class with you. So one of the support assistants that we work alongside in Support for Learning is Miss Gibson. And Miss Gibson here to talk to you today about how the support in Holy Cross looks and what she's interested in when it comes to reading. So hi, I'm Miss Gibson. When it comes to you coming up to high school, we kind of try and make you feel as comfortable as possible. Try and not make it scary for you and a bit more enjoyable. It's a big school, so it's a lot of people, so you're going to feel a bit overwhelmed, but as far as we're concerned, you'll fit in perfectly and we'll help you any way we can. When we're in the classroom, always there if you need a bit of advice, a wee bit of a hand with certain things that you might struggle with because it's also good if you can 
bring a book with you when you're coming to English for reading periods because it's really good to help with your vocabulary and help you expand on things. I enjoy reading quite a lot myself, so when I get a chance to do it in English, um, I'm always more than happy to just sit with my book so that you can see that it is. It's really good to to always have a book with you so that you can always have a wee chance of reading a couple of chapters here and there, things that you enjoy. The library is also great with so many different books to choose from. You'll get a chance to do that with your class. You'll get up and get an introduction to the library and have a look about and see what you fancy reading. And something we do in sports learning as well is also encourage you to read as much as you can at home as well as being in the classroom. Sometimes we also do literacy extraction groups and we'll read our own class novels as well. And this is just to encourage you to read as much as possible. Just now, one of the books I'm reading is about Dave Grohl. He's one of my favourite musicians. He's also in the Foo Fighters. And if any of you know any of the older bands, he was the drummer for Nirvana. I encourage you to go and read that one if you're interested. It's really, really good. I also like reading a lot. I like war sort of stories. So at the moment, I'm reading When Hitler Stole Pink Rabbit. And it's, it's a good story. It's kind of young, so first, second years would enjoy reading it. Just about really the war and how this little girl survived during Hitler's regime. But there are so many other wonderful books in the library that you would really enjoy having a wee read that when you get here. Sometimes as part of the transition, you'll get to see the library because something we do is an enhanced transition for a lot of the pupils as well. So they get a chance to come up into Holy Cross it's obviously going to be a lot bigger than your current school, so you get a chance to come up, have a wander around, and you never know, you might come up to the library and see a section that you really, really enjoy. So part of Support for Learning is doing that as well. I've maybe met some of you before because I've already been out into some of the primary schools already this year, but if I haven't, I'm really looking forward to meeting you, and I look forward to seeing you in Support for Learning and just generally around the school. Yeah, and the same for me. I'm looking forward to meeting all your bright little faces when you come up and see how you've got on in the big high school. I'm sure you'll enjoy it once you get here. How did you find the experience of screenwriting for CBBC and the adaptation? And would you do it again? Um, I have done it again. I've written episodes on season two, so I, I definitely would and have done it again. And um, it was really interesting. I enjoyed it because I like writing dialogue, which um, for our for our young listeners is um, when you write what people say. So the things that people say. Um, I really like to write dialogue. So that's a really fun part of screenwriting is that it's mostly dialogue. But um, but it's difficult when you can, you're not you're not allowed to over explain when you're screenwriting as you are in a novel. In a novel, you can talk about what everyone's faces look like and what they're thinking. And what their motivations are but you can't really do that in a screenplay because the actors need to do that themselves they, they don't want to be told how to react to things so um it's all just focusing on dialogue and um yeah but that was really fun i really enjoyed it the only difficult thing about screenwriting is that tv works quickly i mean they want those scripts very quickly so you can't be a perfectionist you have to just do your very best and then send it to the studio and hope that they really like it which luckily they did but um yeah writing for tv is very very fun and um TV is a whole different world, so it was an amazing experience. Do you think there's a difference in the way that people who, between people who read the book and maybe people who just watched the series kind of perceive the characters? I, I, I don't know about how, how they perceive the characters. I think we managed to do a good job of getting the characters from, from book to screen pretty well. I think Lola encapsulates Addie brilliantly. I think Georgia and Caitlin 
make you know are brilliant as the twins but what's really interesting is that there are two camps now there are the book people who are usually also tv people as well they've all gone to watch the show and then there's just tv people um and it really does make me laugh because uh book people just have that little edge where they know a little bit more about um the story and the characters so we had a there's a character coming up in season two who's mentioned in a kind of spark uh but but didn't appear in season one and so when it was announced a lot of the tv fans who are just fans of the tv show went oh who's this character oh my goodness a new character and the book readers were all yes we know exactly who this is um so that it's really fun actually to yeah it's really really fun to let um those two camps kind of and um, experience the story together well that's amazing so i'm going to yes. go and let grace lead some questions from some of our primary yeah. seven we have fans. some primary seven pupils from saint mary's and saint paul's who are both they've all read your book your novel and they're so excited to ask you some questions about it so invite them in oh brilliant so they'll all be coming up to this school next year so obviously it's been really great for them to read about about transitioning into high school so first of all we've got philip and cody in hi so they've got some questions for you do you want to start philip yep do you have any tips for future writers or people who'd be like to be an author that's a great question. I do. So my biggest tip if you want to be a writer is to start right now. You don't have to show anybody what you're writing, but get yourself a notebook or get mum or dad or granny to get you a notebook and start writing now. It doesn't even have to be a story. It can just be observations. It can just be things that you notice, um, but start immediately. And when you start to write uh, your own stories, um, always write about things that you're interested in. Don't worry about what other people are doing. Don't worry about, oh, well, so-and-so wrote a story about this or so-and-so did that think about what you really like so if you like football write about football if you like animals write about animals um and make sure that it's something that you care about because then we as the readers when we eventually read what you've written we'll care about it too because it'll come through when you're writing thank you very good answer thank you and cody do you have a question you'd like to ask yeah so what characters are based on real people and what they don't get characters for books Ah, that's a very good question as well. Um, So Mr. Allison in A Kind of Spark is based on a real person. In the book, he's a librarian, but in real life, he's a teacher. He was a primary six teacher. He was my primary six teacher a long time ago, but still teaching. Um, And when I got, I I started writing the character and, and, and I used his name because he was a teacher that really taught me to love reading. And I thought, well, I'll change his name before when we go to publish it. And then I just never did because I thought it's it's just a nice tribute. And um, luckily he read it and really, really loved it. And I got to go back to my old school in, in Edinburgh and we got to see each other. And we were both very emotional. And, and all, the, all, the, all, the, all the current primary six kids were a bit like, what's going on? But um, <laughs> but he's, he was a big inspiration. And then um, I think Audrey's inspired a lot by all my very good friends I've had. Um, Adrian and Show Us Who You Are, which is my second book, is inspired by my best friend. Um, and I think uh, a lot of the family in Like a Charm and Like a Curse, which is my fantasy duology, a lot of the family in that is inspired by my family, but I can't say who's who and what is what because it will, be, <laughs> it will cause enormous arguments. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, I think you're automatically, when you're writing, the most interesting people that you know start to appear in the characters, uh, for, whether they're people that you really like or people that you really don't like, they start to enter into the story because they're in your uh, your, your imagination and your head so much anyway. Um, so that, excuse my dog. Um, so that's, he's not been put into a book yet um, because he's so badly behaved. But um, but yeah, they, I think the, the interesting people in your life always end up in a book somehow. Definitely. Those are great questions, guys. Yeah, they are. Thank you so much. 
Thank you. Hi, girls. So now we've got Tilly and Veronica and Tasha some questions. Amazing. This is Elle. Hi. Do you want to start, Tilly? You've got a question. How long and what is the process for writing a book? Um, that's a great question, but it's a difficult question to answer because it's so different with every single book. Um, the first draft of A Kind of Spark took two days. But as you can see, it's not that long of a book. Um, and then when it went to the publishers, they said that let's edit it. And then with the editing process, which is when publishers, you know, say, can we have a little bit more of this or can we take this out or can we see this character a bit more? That took about four months. And then Show Us Who You Are, my second book, took about nine months because I, I started it in lockdown and I actually had coronavirus when I started it. So I was a little bit all over the place. Um, and then Like a Charm and Like a Curse, uh, that took about 10 months I think that duology in total and some authors you know SF Said for example is an author um, who takes 10 years for each book and then uh, I think David Almond wrote Skellig in a couple of days so it's completely different for each author there is no set rule so if you're a writer don't worry about um, you know sorry my dog's just whining so he's gonna go out um, don't worry about uh, going, oh, I don't write as fast as other people or oh, I write too quickly because there is no hard and fast rule. It's just however the story comes and however, um, you know, whatever is easiest for the writer. Good question. Well, you question. And Veronica, do you want to have a question? Uh, yes. When you were growing up, what did you want to be and uh, what inspired to become an author? That's a good question too. Um, I, I wanted to be an author. I really wanted to be a writer when I was your age, but... Um, it was a very mysterious job. Nobody spoke about it and I didn't ever I never met an author, so I didn't know how you could become one. I kind of thought books just appeared on trees. Um, and I wanted to be I wanted to be an archaeologist. I wanted to be a vet. I wanted to do drama and theater. There were so many jobs I wanted to do and I've done loads of jobs. I've had very, a lot of jobs before I became a full-time author. Um, and luckily, a lot of authors also have other jobs. So a lot of really good authors are also doctors or teachers or journalists. So it's not a job that you, you, you don't have to give up your other job to be an author. You can do you can do both. OK, thank you. Thank you so much. That was a great insight. Thank you so much. Great questions. Thank you, Adels. These are all our people from St. Paul's Primary asked you a question. I will invite some of the St. Mary's Primary in. Perfect. Thank you so much, girls. Thank you. Bye bye. 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 Hi guys, do you want to come in and talk to Elle now? So this is Lachlan and Finley Hello. from St Mary's. Hi. Hi. Lachlan, do you want to ask your question first, yeah? If you could meet any of your characters, what would you say to them? That's a great question. And actually, what's funny is that when A Kind of Spark was made into a TV show and I went on set for the first time and saw all of the, you know, the, they built Juniper, the village from scratch and they got all the actors there and it, it kind of felt like being in the book. I find it kind of felt like I could talk to the characters. Um, I'd probably want to talk to Ramia from Like a Charm and Like a Curse just because she's she's so unlike myself that I really, really would enjoy talking to her. Um, and I would like to talk to her and Opal as well, who's a witch in, in the books and she's extremely uh, mysterious. And I think even, even as I was writing her, I felt like I didn't really have... It's, it's funny because obviously these characters, you're writing them and they come from your head, but with Opal, it kind of felt like she was her own thing and it couldn't even get that close to her as the author, which sounds absolutely mad, but that's kind of how it felt. So be, be good to ask her some questions. Um, but yeah, like, like I said, being on the TV show, it felt like I was talking to characters. And it's really funny because a lot of the kids that watch the show, they call the actors by the character names all the time. So they'll call Lola Addy and they'll call Georgia Keedy because they just, um, they, do the, they do the job so well. 
That was a great uh, answer. Thank you so much. Finley, do you want to ask a question now? Um, yes. Um, if you had to change one thing about a kind of spark, what would it be? Oh, that's a good question, Finley. Um, the thing about writing books is that by the time you get to publication, so by the time this was ready to go to bookshops, you've done lots of changing. So you've taken lots of stuff out, you've added lots of stuff in, you've rewritten a few things. So a lot of the things that you would have wanted to change are already done. I think there's a couple of spelling mistakes in it that missed, the proofreader missed them. I think I would change that. <laughs> um, but I don't think I would change anything else. Um, uh, when you write a, a book, if you, if you write a good book, there will always be people that really, really love it. And there'll be people that say, I don't like it. And you can't really worry about other people's opinions. You have to think about what's best in your mind and the best job that you can do. And with this one, I kind of felt like I did the best I could do. And there's not much I would change about it. But but like I said, um, another good thing about the TV show is that if, if there's something that I didn't manage to get in the book, I can put it in the TV show. So I did feel, a, the only thing I felt a little bit sad about when I finished the book was I thought, well, there's not a lot of boys in it. It's quite a girl heavy book, which isn't a problem because we've had lots of boy heavy books in the past. I thought it's not a problem that there's lots of girls in it. But in the TV show, we've got Frank, who's a character and he's a boy and we love him and the audience loves him as well. And I kind of wish he was in the books a little bit because he's a really great character. So that was a fun change to put in the show was to have Frank. It is great. You've been able to adapt it in, into the show and add, like really get all your ideas into it. That was great questions, but thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you for those great questions. Thank you. Hi, girls. These are our last two questions for today. Oh, okay. So we've got Shanna and Gia with us. Hi. Gia, you're going to ask a question first. Which character in A Kind of Spark was the most difficult to write and why? Oh, that's a great question. Um, probably Miss Murphy. I found her quite difficult to write because I find her quite scary. She's based on someone who was very real. Um, and when I was writing her, obviously I'm writing the book from Addie's point of view. And what that means is that the book's taking place like like it's Addie's um, mind, like we're in Addie's head. And when we're in our own heads, we don't know what other people are thinking. We don't know what other people are imagining. We don't know what other people are feeling. We can only um, guess. So I, I was, ne you know, I'm, Addie's not able to go into Miss Murphy's head and understand why she's doing what she's doing. So Miss Murphy seems quite scary from Addie's point of view. So I find that quite difficult because sometimes I was like, oh, I just want to explain a little bit and say that this teacher is just, you know, old fashioned and she's going through this stuff and going through that. But because it's from Addie's perspective, I couldn't do that. So I found her quite difficult to write because she's obviously a bit of a baddie. Um, but once again, when, when I wrote the, the television show, we were able to give her a little bit more time and a little bit more attention to explain why she was the way she was. And then there is a character in Show Us Who You Are called uh, Dr. Gold. I found her quite difficult to write because I... I re again, another villain. I really, really liked her, but um, it's always difficult to imagine what bad pe bad people, um, for want of a better word, are, are thinking about. And it's sometimes not a very fun thing to to imagine. Um, but but that's a great question. I could I could I could say many more that were difficult to write, but but that's a very good question. Thank you so much, Dia. Yeah. Do you have a question, Shana? Yeah. What inspires you the most to write books? Ah, that's a really nice question. Um, I think. I have always loved stories and I've loved stories whether they're in a book, whether they're on a TV show, whether they're a film, whether they're a video game. I've always loved stories and I love, I love, I'm very nosy, like I'm always 
I mean, I'm always looking out my window to see what people are shouting about on the street because I'm very nosy. I'm always listening into people's conversations because I love stories um, and I love people. Um, and I think stories help me make sense of the world. So when the world can get a bit chaotic, stories are how I, how I make sense of things. And that's been that way since I was very young. So I think writing books is a way of telling stories, which is, which is a fun thing to do, but also making sense of things and understanding things. So when I started to write A Kind of Spark as an autistic person, by the time I'd finished writing it, I understood so much more about myself than I did when I started. And that's because the story was part was exploring that. Um, and it was the same with Show Us Who You Are, which is kind of about friendship. And with Like a Charm and Like a Curse, that's about family. So the themes that you write in your books, you're, you're sort of ordering uh, a little bit of chaos. And when you finish writing, you go, oh, it makes sense now. So I think that's why I love to write books is I love making people laugh. I like to make them cry sometimes. I like to make them think. I like to make them feel. More than anything, I hope to write books that make people feel things. But at the same time, I'm also learning myself when I'm telling the story. So that's why I like to do it. That's a very good question. Thank you so much for answering those questions, Elle. Thank you. Thank you, girls. Hello again, Elsa. Welcome back, Elsa. Thank you so much for answering those questions. It's great for the young people to get such an insight into the way you write Definitely. and the character. I mean, there's they're obviously, as I mentioned, they're coming up to high school next year. So I think that book's been really important for them to read, to get an insight into neurodivergent characters in the process of going up to high school. I think it's so important that they have books like that. Because I would definitely say, maybe that's a regret for me that I didn't have anything like that to read yeah. when I was a 13 and coming into school. Oh. I mean, I think it's still, I can still definitely share in that experience that's in the book and it still affects my life just as much. Totally. I think all the stuff about female friendships in the book and how that changes going into high school, reading it back now, like as we're in senior school, it was really interesting comparing it to my own friendships that I've had and how they've changed. It really, it was actually a really wholesome moment for us. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> oh, amazing. Thank you so much, guys. Well, I mean, yeah. Thank you to you. I know. Thank coming you. and answering all of the brilliant questions yes. from the primary school kids. And I think this book's been such like a learning experience for me. And I really hope there's more of that in the future. Yeah. Besides really... the TV show, um, are you working on anything currently? Yeah. So Kidi, which is the sister in A Kind of Spark, has her own book, which I've written. It's a prequel to A Kind of Spark, meaning it all happens before. Um, and that'll be out next April, just before season two. And then next October, there's a YA coming out, which is for much, much, much older readers for sort of 16, 17, 18 year old and up. Um, and that's called Some Like a Cold and that's out next October. And yeah, that's a whole new genre. So it's going to be <laughs> exciting, new learning experience. We'll both be looking forward to that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, perfect for us yes, to as well. definitely. Well, I think we'll both definitely be keeping up with all of your work. Oh, thank you. Because it's been really beneficial for us. And especially this interview, talking to authors is such a good experience. Yeah. And we're both so interested in English and just hearing people talk about their own work is so much better than trying to come up with what we think you would think of it. Yes. And yeah. It's Even been a great experience. Hearing you talking about how you got into writing and everything, really inspirational for us. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. Thank you, guys. Thank, Thank you, you so for much. Coming and joining us and taking time out of your day to come and answer our questions. It was fantastic. Thanks for such a good interview. The kids were amazing. They asked such great questions, and uh, you two were brilliant. You're really fabulous interviewers. Thank you so much. That's so nice to hear. Big yes. thank you from Holy Cross High School. Of course. <laughs> and we'll keep up with what you do in the future. Looking forward to it. Thanks for having me on the Reading Cafe podcast. Bye.
Bye. Thank you so much. Bye. Well, we both certainly enjoyed this interview with Elle McNichol. It was incredible to get insight into how she writes her books, how she's created her characters, and it was my first reading podcast, so, I mean, she was an excellent author to Definitely. get. Definitely. I mean, it was a wonderful experience talking to her. She was so kind and really understanding, yeah. and I think she was great for the kind of audience that will listen to the podcast. She was really informative. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely found that she explained everything super well, and I think she loved it too. Yeah, well, I hope so. Well, she opened up really well to the kids about her own experiences becoming an author, and I think that's something they'll remember for a long time. It was yeah. a great experience for us all. I mean, it's something I'll remember for a long time <laughs> yeah. too. I mean, it taught me a lot about the book, and it gave me a sort of different view on how I read the book Mm -hmm. and I think I would probably like to read it again having heard her comments on her own writing. Yeah even getting to hear that excerpt from her reading the book you can kind of imagine how she wrote it more. Oh definitely. Mm -hmm. Well if you enjoyed this episode of The Reading Cafe you should investigate all the other interviews we have featured so far including Murder Most Unladylike writer Robin Stevens, Master of Horror Darren Shan, winner of the Adrian Prize Aisha Bushby, Global Comic Royalty Mark Miller, I'm Matt Oldfields, writer of the hugely popular Ultimate Football Hero series. All that remains is to ask you to spread the word and leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, Audible, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any episodes and... Keep reading! reading.